Julie Van Warmer here, and you're listening to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Now listen, I'm really excited about today's podcast, but I have to give you a little background. So first off, before I prepare a podcast where we are going to be including a recording of a previously given talk, I always listen to them. And today was no different. In fact, today's podcast is kind of unique. It's kind of aimed for college students. Now, I have to tell you though, it's a great talk for college students. It was given by Madeline Dries at the 2019 Regarding Him Women's Conference that we have every year at Christ the Word. But here's the thing that was really good as I listened. It's actually not just for college students. So as you listen, although her references are about college students and she's talking about living on campus and getting to know new people and sharing the gospel and being bold for Christ, it's not something that is only for college students. It's actually for all of us. So whether you're working in a job every day or you're home with kids or you are retired or maybe you're traveling uh, with your job, this talk has some great principles that are good for you and I to think about. Then I was thinking about my own kids who are college students, who are on the campuses every day and how college has changed a lot since when I went and it motivated me to pray for them. So that might be something else you receive from this podcast is to pray for the college students in your life, whether it's your own personal children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews, or just friends and children of your friends. This is an opportunity we have to go before the Father and pray for these students. They're facing some pretty tough things on their college campuses, and we want to pray they're bold for Christ every day. So again, remember, although this is a talk aimed towards college students, I encourage you to listen anyway for the principles of how you and I can be bold for Christ and live for Christ on the college campus or really anywhere that we go. Last fall, I ran a half marathon. I know I may have just lost half of you, but hear me out. (laughs) A friend convinced me to run it with her. For some reason, I expected it to be at least 50 degrees and sunny that day, but when I woke up, there was snow on the ground. It was freezing. Despite the weather, I started out feeling great. Friends and strangers were cheering me on. I felt like I could run forever. But at mile 11, everything changed. Suddenly, my fingers felt like icicles. My legs turned to cement. I regretted not stopping for those little energy packets they have along the way. (laughs) I regretted never actually running 13 miles before that day. I may have registered for the race months in advance, but when the day came, I wasn't prepared. I didn't run as well as I could have. Later, as I reflected on the race, Hebrews 12 about running the race set before us kept coming to mind. I'm going to read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 in the verses on your handout if you'd like to follow along with me. It says, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So before I continue, I thought that since most of us are students, we could take a little pop quiz. So if you'll look on the piece of paper you got when you walked in the door, you'll see a few questions at the top. It's easy to sit through what I'm going to say today and think that it mostly doesn't apply to you. The reason why I want us to take this quiz is so that before we even begin, we can honestly look at our hearts and try to find areas where we can live for God more than we are right now. So as I read each question, I want you to honestly think about where your heart is. And then there's a line below some of the questions, so you can even mark on the line where you think you're at in your life right now. Luckily, this quiz isn't graded, so please be honest with your answers. Question number one. Do you desire to learn more about God and grow closer to Him, or are you content with where you're at right now in your faith? So on one side, we have, I'm happy with how I'm living right now. I don't see any changes that need to be made. On the other side, we have, I actively think about how I can become closer to God, and I spend each day trying to do so. So go ahead and mark where you think you're at. And question number two, would people you interact with know that you are a Christian or do they just see you as a nice person? So on one side we have very few people know that I'm a Christian or everybody I interact with knows I'm a Christian. So again, go ahead and mark where you think you're at. And question number three, when hard things happen, do you tend to turn toward God or away from him? So on one side we have, I see no use in turning to God in hard times, or God is my primary comfort at all times. And then question four doesn't have a line below it because it's just a yes or no answer. Have you told God that you are a sinner and asked him to give you a clean heart? Maybe this quiz has helped to point out areas in your life where you are not as close to God as you could be. I hope that over the next half hour, we can look through some of these areas and try to find ways that we can change to live for God on campus. High school and college are important times in our life. We're making decisions about what to study and maybe what kind of job we want to have for the rest of our lives. Some of us are moving out for the first time. Others of us still live in our parents' basements. <laughs> we spend our days trying to juggle school, work, homework, and still maintain relationships with our friends and family. Maybe we lose some of our old friends, but we meet lots of new people. Some of our friends say and do things we know mom and dad wouldn't agree with, but maybe we just write it off as being part of the high school or college experience. Our professors say things we don't agree with, but maybe we aren't sure why we don't agree with it or how to say anything about it. College is full of changes and new challenges. You can decide how you want to spend each hour of your day. Should I drop this class or should I struggle through it? 
Should I change my major? Is it okay to watch another episode on Netflix? Should I go to class or should I skip it again? Is it wrong to go to a party? Is it wrong to drink at a party? Is it wrong to be friends with the guy who invited me to the party? Is it wrong to just fit in here? During this crazy time in our lives, our sinful hearts are quick to choose sin if our foundation is anything outside of God. What your heart loves will be clear through what you do and what you say and even through what you think. Maybe high school or college has helped show you that your heart isn't fully committed to God. Maybe you've joined in with the sins of those around you, thinking there will be plenty of time to change later when you're graduated and have more adult responsibilities. I spent most of high school and part of college not living a life that was glorifying to God. You could find me in church most Sundays, but God wasn't an important part of my life. I made my life as busy as possible to distract myself from following God. I had a lot of sin in my life, but I was scared to change how I was, how I was living. I didn't feel like I could make these changes myself. The Bible says that before we come to know God, we are actually dead in our sin. That means we can do absolutely nothing to save ourselves. Even though we consistently do things that are against God, God still loves us. God loves each one of you dearly. And he sent his son to die for you. He loves us despite our sin, despite our filth. Even though I was not following God, and there was no amount of work I could do to change my life, he put a series of events and people in my life to change me and to help me live wholeheartedly for him. I thought I would be happier living like the world, but God showed me that only he can give true and lasting joy. Living for God felt like a risk for me. Maybe you can relate to that. I had to make new friends. I had to leave behind the life I was living. I had to change how I spent my time and what my priorities were. But this risk was worth it. I traded the guilt and shame of sin for the joy and the clarity that comes from following God. And I didn't have to make all of these changes myself. God moved barriers I never thought possible to help me to live for him. Living for God is a risk, but I'm here to tell you it's worth it. Friends, life is so short. Eternity is forever. We need a heart that has found its rest in God. Turn to God. Tell him you are a sinner. Thank him for sending his son, his perfect sinless son, to die for you. And ask him to change your life and give you joy in living for him. Only when your heart is anchored to God can you truly live for him on campus. So, we're running our race. We're on track to live for Jesus. But sometimes we just get weighed down by different things. When I was running that dreaded half marathon last fall, I had some things weighing me down. I wasn't prepared for the weather. I didn't stop for those little energy gels. 
I hadn't trained enough before the race or fueled well during the race. Our verses in Hebrews talk about laying aside the weights that slow us down while we are trying to run our race. A weight is anything that makes living for God harder. Imagine if I picked up these weights and tried to run a marathon with them. Now, I could probably run for a little bit, but I'd quickly get tired and I'd have to stop or set them down. There are many things that we hold on to that make living for God harder. Maybe we feel like we're too busy to live for God. That's the weight. Maybe we're scared and concerned of other people's opinions of us. That's another weight. All of these things are weights that keep us from living for God. Can you think of weights in your own life that make it hard for you to live for God? I chose two weights to talk about today because I've struggled with these. And I think they'll be common for a lot of us. So the first weight I want to talk about laying aside is drifting. It can be easy to drift through college to avoid any sort of uncomfortable situation. I lived this way my first year of college. I don't think I made a single friend on campus that entire year. I showed up to every class, but I rarely talked with my classmates. In between classes, I would sit by myself and look forward to leaving campus. Remember back to our pop quiz when I asked the question, would people you interact with know that you are a Christian or do they just see you as a nice person? No one would have known I was a Christian my first year of college. I didn't bother to tell anyone. Sadly, I didn't really care about where the people around me were going to spend eternity. I drifted through that year by isolating myself from my classmates and my professors. I didn't necessarily join in with the blatant sin around, of those around me, but I definitely didn't take a stand against it either. I didn't tell a single person about what God had done for me by sending his son to die for my sin and for theirs. Another way we can drift through college is by joining in the sins of those around us. It's easy to want to be like the people we spend a lot of time with. Think of the habits and styles you've picked up from your friends over the years. Maybe you're saying the same phrases. Maybe you're wearing the same shoes. We like to try to relate to people, and we don't like to stand out, especially when it's in a bad way. At the same time, people don't like it when we don't join in with them. Two years ago, I went out of town for a conference with a few of my school friends. They went out a few of the nights and were really irritated that I didn't join them. One of the girls felt like I was judging her for drinking. I spend nearly every day with these girls now, and the fact that I don't go out with them comes up regularly in conversations. But we will look different from the world, and we should. 1 Peter 4, 3-5 talks about a situation like what I experienced. It says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him 
who's ready to judge the living and the dead. Our friends will give an account to God at the end of their lives, and so will we. How are we preparing for this? Let's trade drifting for engaging. Love others, even when you don't feel love for them. Ask God that you will feel love for them. Show them through your life that God is truer and more satisfying than anything they can find on this earth. Meet them for coffee. Chat with them before your 8 a.m. class, even though you're really tired and you'd rather scroll through Instagram. Study with them, even if it doesn't benefit you. Take their 11.45 p.m. calls to help with homework, even though the assignment is due at midnight and they should have started it sooner. When they're nervous about a big exam, remind them that God is in control, even though you know they don't agree. Be willing to get involved in their lives, even the messy parts. Most importantly, ask God for opportunities to share the gospel with them. Not joining in with their sin isn't enough, and neither is being a nice person. Tell them why your life looks different. Tell them about how God has worked in your life. I have a friend named Kelsey. She's in her 20s. I met her working at a Christian orphanage in Mexico. Kelsey grew up with divorced parents, neither of them religious. Every once in a while, she'd go to church with her grandma, who went to a Catholic church. The girl who sat beside Kelsey in one of her classes decided to share with Kelsey about God's love for her and how he sent his son to die for her. A few weeks later, that same girl invited Kelsey to a Christian woman's retreat. Kelsey ended up realizing she was a sinner and asking God to change her life. God radically changed Kelsey's life. She even quit college volleyball in order to focus on God more. Now she shares the gospel with her unbelieving parents and siblings. Think of the impact of one student's courage. Be bold. As a Christian, you won't agree with a lot of what is being said and done in your classes. If you're sitting through class with no objections to what you're reading or hearing, examine yourself. Are you compromising commands of God in order to live in relative peace with those around you? Don't neglect to stand up for God's truth, even if it's considered offensive by those around you. Ask God for boldness. Last year, I was in an internship where I had rotations all throughout the Toledo area. Every few weeks, I would switch to a new site and meet a bunch of new people. I decided right from the beginning that I had to tell my preceptors about God and about how he worked in my life. I was surprised to find another Christian at nearly every site I went to. I expected to receive at least some sort of ridicule for my faith, but instead, God blessed me with people to pray with before I ate lunch and people who told me about how God was working in their lives. When we are being bold as Christians, God will give strength and encouragement. I often get discouraged because some people seem too far gone. 
It seems like no words I say will change them. Should I even bother talking about God? It's easy to fall into thinking that we have to do the work. God asks us to tell other people about him, but he's the one who changes hearts. Don't let your perception of other people change your willingness to share the gospel with them. About a year ago, I read this excerpt from an article by a pastor named John Piper, and I still think about it often. It says, Who can describe the value of one soul transferred from the kingdom of darkness and from weeping and gnashing of teeth to the kingdom of God's dear son? If we lived 29 years or if we lived 99 years, would not any hardships be worth the saving of one person from the eternal torments of hell for the everlasting enjoyment of the glory of God? Loving others and being bold for God can be really hard, but it's worth it. Be God's messenger, but expect him to do the work. So first, we talked about laying aside the weight of drifting. The next way I want to talk about laying aside is depending on ourselves. When I was a kid, my mom made me a scrapbook full of photos and fun memories. Apparently, one of my favorite phrases as a toddler was, I'm independent. <laughs> 23-year-old me isn't too different than 3-year-old me. I like to do things myself. I don't like asking for help. I'd rather try to do something myself for a long time than ask someone else for help. Maybe you can relate to me sometimes. Now you may be thinking that independence isn't such a bad thing after all and wondering why I would choose it as a weight we need to get rid of. After all, shouldn't we be independent? No one wants to be in their 20s and be fully dependent on their parents. And no boss wants to hire an employee who needs help with every single task. Independence becomes a problem when it replaces dependence on God. Three-year-old me thought I was pretty good at meeting my own needs, and I wanted to make sure everyone knew that. But to everyone else, I probably just looked pretty silly. I celebrated washing my hands by myself before the meal my mom had made for me. I celebrated getting dressed in the clothes she had laid out. And I'm sure I still ended up with wet, soapy sleeves and my pants on backwards. You see, in my independence, I was still dependent on my parents. I was never in control to begin with. I just had a false illusion of my own independence. That's how we are with God. <coughs> He's in control of every single part of our lives. But sometimes we may feel like we can be independent from him. Throughout the day, I'm quick to forget the God who created me, who puts breath in my lungs, and who causes my heart to beat. I think if I work hard enough and I put in enough effort, I can be successful in school. It's up to me to form good relationships with my professors and classmates. It's my responsibility to prepare a good lesson when I'm teaching Bible study. And with the idea that all these things depend on me, 
comes a lot of stress and worry. What if I don't study enough and I get a bad grade on this exam? What if my GPA drops and I don't get the internship I was hoping for? What if I completely freeze up during this presentation and look stupid? We've all had these thoughts before. Take a second to think of the last time you felt stressed or worried. Would you have felt the same way if you had remembered that the God who clothes the flowers and feeds the sparrows knows and cares for every single part of your life? Let's trade independence for depending on God. God can meet every one of our needs, but we turn to other things to try to meet our needs. Recently, I started a note on my phone of all the things I turn to throughout the day to try to find joy and comfort instead of relying on God. My list included things like social media, coffee, running, making food, listening to music, spending time with friends. Maybe your list contains some of the same things mine does. None of the things on my list were bad necessarily, but they become wrong when we try to replace them, when we try to replace them, <laughs> when we try to replace God in any way in our life. Sometimes I use these things to try to fill the place of God, and it's wrong if we use them to fill the place of God in our life in even the tiniest way. You see, independence is a weight we need to throw off because it distracts us from being completely dependent on God, who alone knows and can meet every single one of our needs. Any good in us is from God. Every successful presentation and aced quiz comes from God. And every failed quiz comes from God too, because sometimes God uses failed quizzes to help us depend on him more. God says that without his help, we can do nothing. And we are to do everything through the strength that he gives us. When we are depending on God, we can move forward with confidence and peace. Even in the hardest times, we can rest in knowing that he is in control and he cares for us. He knows exactly what we need at that time. Remember back in our pop quiz when I asked the question, when hard things happen, do you tend to turn toward God or away from him? Turning to God gives a peace that can't be found anywhere else on this earth. Living wholeheartedly for God on campus isn't going to be easy, and it shouldn't be. But we can find help in Jesus, who also endured suffering and temptation. He is infinitely more powerful than any classmate, teacher, or professor. He gives confidence and peace. Ask God for opportunities to depend on him more closely, and he'll give them. So lay aside the weight of depending on yourself and rest in the care of God. So we talked about laying aside the weights of drifting and depending on ourselves. Hebrews 12 talks about running with endurance, looking to Jesus and the joy set before us. Now I want to talk about how we can live for God on campus by filling our lives up with Jesus. Saying fill up with Jesus reminds me of the advertisement I see for KFC's $5 Phillips. Maybe you've seen this advertisement too. I've never had one of these 
but as a nutrition major, I can't help but analyze the contents of this meal. <laughs> We've all had meals that initially fill us up, but leave us feeling a little hungry or yucky an hour later. Our bellies may seem full, but they aren't full of anything good or lasting. When I ran that half marathon in the fall, I didn't run well because I was trying to run on empty. Are you trying to run on empty? Are you trying to replace the solid food of God's word with $5 Phillips? We run with endurance by looking to Jesus and asking him to fill us up. So I have a jar here. Let's pretend this jar is our lives. See, we're pretty empty. Without Jesus, we don't have anything we can pour out to share with other people. When we are filled with Jesus, we have plenty that we can pour to share with others. When we're saturating our lives with the things of God, we can start overflowing his love for other people. There are several important things we can fill our jars with. The first is the Bible. Nothing can replace the wealth you will find through reading God's word. When assignments pile up, don't neglect to read God's word. Recently, I read the account of Jim Elliott a missionary who was killed for his faith in Ecuador. What stood out to me most about Jim's story was how he lived his life in college. Each morning, he would get up an hour early just to spend time studying God's word. And then he'd pick up the Bible again in the middle of the day. Don't settle for a few minutes in God's word. Let's set aside purposeful times to fill our lives with God's word. Another thing we can fill our lives with is prayer. Ask God for help to treasure him above anything else. Pray for your own needs and the needs of others. Ask how you can pray for people and commit to doing it. Recently, one of my friends started a prayer journal and I decided to do the same. Now I carry it around with me and I write down requests right when they come up so I don't forget. I try to set aside time when I wake up and before I go to bed to pray through some of these requests. But we can pray at any time, during a conversation, before a big exam, whenever. Let's fill our lives with prayer. Another thing we can fill our lives with is rest. High school and college shouldn't be your whole life. Put aside time each week that you are committing to spending time with God. This may sound crazy to some of you, but my second year of college, I stopped doing homework on Sundays. The fourth commandment says to honor the Sabbath or Sunday and keep it holy. And cramming a few hours of homework into my Sunday afternoons was not honoring. I thought I would be more stressed out trying to fit in all my assignments before Sunday. But instead, God made me more purposeful with my time throughout the week. Now I look forward to Sundays 
and to spending time with God and with my friends and family. Sundays are my favorite day of the week now. Let's fill our lives with purposeful time of rest. Of course, there are lots of other good things we can fill our lives with. But the last one I'm going to talk about today is Christian fellowship. Work to find solid Christian friends who will keep you accountable. If your Christian college ministry isn't teaching you from the Bible and encouraging you to fight sin, find one that will. If you can't find a Bible study, start something with someone else. Four years ago, my friend and I started a Bible study on our campus with just two other girls. Years later, my friend has graduated, but now 10 of us meet regularly every week to study God's word. It's such a blessing to take time out of our busy afternoons to study God's word on our secular campus. Find a few Christian friends. Take the action to start something and pray that God would be glorified. Only when we are filling our lives with the things of God can we freely overflow his love for other people. Like the $5 Phillips, other things may promise to fill us up and feel like they're satisfying us, but they're a poor excuse for the real thing. Great joy comes from filling our lives with God instead of the things of this world that promise to satisfy but leave us empty. So today we talked about living for God on campus by laying aside the weights of drifting and depending on ourselves. We talked about trading drifting for engaging and trading independence for depending on God. Then we talked about how we can endure on campus by filling our lives with Jesus and looking to the joy that comes from living for God. Before we can live for God, we must first have faith in his son, Jesus Christ. We can risk not fitting in with the world when we have faith that Jesus loved us enough to die for us. We have a treasure in heaven that can't compare to any treasure we can find on this earth. So maybe during the talk or during the pop quiz, you realize that there is a part of your life that you do need to change. Maybe you've been living a lot like the world, and now you feel like it's too difficult to make such a drastic change. That's how I felt. The good news is, if you're hearing these words right now, it's not too late. There's still time to change. Decide today that you need to change and commit to making this change. This is a risk worth taking. Ask God for help. You can't do this yourself, and he wants to help you. Ask him to remove anything from your life that is keeping you from living wholeheartedly for him. Monday is the beginning of a new school week. Ask yourself today, am I going to live for God? Or am I going to live for this world? When we are living for God, He will give us strength. He promises to never leave us or forsake us.
you see what I mean at the beginning of the podcast? Like, these truths are good for anyone. We all get drifting in our lives, whether we're in a job or in a classes at school or in our neighborhood, and we just kind of start floating through and not being purposeful to look for opportunities to share the good news of God with our friends, our neighbors, and our classmates. Actually, this should be our purpose every day. Now, Maddie's second point was about not trying to do it in our own strength. And honestly, that's another great application for me and for you. Whatever is going on in our lives, if we're trying to do it in our own strength, we will fail. We have to do it in the strength of Christ. How easy it is that I have to get going in my life and forget that and how important it is to keep God as my center and look for opportunities to share about the amazing things that he's done in my life and how he can change others' lives too. I sure hope you found this talk to be as encouraging and applicable to you as it was to me, even though I'm not a college student anymore. I do have to say that it took me back a few years to my college years, and I do not miss staying up late studying for exams, and I do not miss having to be at an 8 o'clock class five days a week, okay? So I'm really thankful that part's done, but I am appreciative to what God has taught me through what Maddie shared today as we talked about how you and I can live for God. Let's pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we all have every day to serve you and to bring glory to you. Help us be purposeful to connect with people in the real world, to be their friend and to focus on how we can share the gospel, the truths of who you are and what you've done in our lives with anyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.